Part two, chapter nineteen of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter nineteen. On his return to the regiment, and having made his report to the commander in regard to Denisov's condition, Rostov sent out for Tilsit with a petition to the sovereign. On the twenty fifth of June, the French and Russian emperors had met at Tilsit. Boris Dubretskoy begged the distinguished individual to whose staff he was attached for permission to be present at the conference which was to be held at Tilsit. Je veux de voir le grand homme. I want to see him with my own eyes, he said, speaking of Napoleon, whom he, like everyone else, had always hitherto called Bonaparte. You mean Bonaparte? asked the general, with a smile. Boris looked inquiringly at his general, and immediately perceived that the general was trying to quiz him. Mon prince, Je parle de l'Empereur Napoléon, he replied. The general, with a smile, tapped him on the shoulder. You'll get on, said he, and he took him with him. Boris was one of the few who were there at Niemen on the day when the emperors met. He saw the rafts with the monograms. He saw Napoleon ride down the bank past the French guards. He saw the Emperor Alexander's thoughtful face as he sat in silence in the inn on the bank of the river, waiting for Napoleon to come. He saw the two emperors get into the boats, and Napoleon, who was the first to reach the raft, go forward with swift steps to meet Alexander, give him his hand, and then disappear with him under the pavilion. Ever since his entry into the highest circles, Boris had conceived the habit of carefully observing whatever was going on around him and recording it. During the time of the interview at Tilsit, he inquired the names of the personages who came with Napoleon remarked the uniforms which they had on, and listened with great attention to the words spoken by all the men of importance. At the moment that the emperors went into the pavilion, he looked at his watch, and he did not fail to look at it again at the moment when Alexander came forth from the pavilion. The interview lasted an hour and fifty-three minutes. This fact he wrote down that very same evening, together with many others which he felt had historical significance. Thus, the emperor's suite being very small, the fact of being present at Tilsit at the time of the interview was, for a man who prized success in the service, fraught with deep meaning, and Boris, who enjoyed this privilege, felt that his position was henceforth secured. He was not only known by name, but was looked upon as indispensable, and expected to be seen around. Twice he was sent on errands to the emperor himself, so that the sovereign came to know his face, and the inner circle not only ceased to shun him as a new person, as before, but would have been surprised at his absence. Boris lodged with another adjutant, the Polish Count Zelinsky. Zelinsky, though a Polyak, had been educated in Paris, was rich, was passionately fond of the French, and almost every day, during the time of the interview at Tilsit, he and Boris used to have the officers of the guards and members of the Imperial French staff to breakfast and dine with them. On the evening of the 6th of July, Count Zelinsky, Boris's chum, was giving a dinner to some of his French acquaintances. At this dinner the guest of honor was one of Napoleon's aides. There were a number of the officers of the Imperial Guards, and a young lad belonging to an old aristocratic family who was Napoleon's page. That same day Rostov, profiting by the darkness to pass unrecognized, proceeded to Tilsit in civil dress, and went to the apartment occupied by Zelinsky and Boris. Rostov, in common with the whole army from which he came, were as yet far from experiencing that change which had taken place at headquarters, and in Boris, in regard to Napoleon and the French, to look upon them as friends instead of foes. 
as yet all connected with the army still continued to experience their former derisive feeling of ill-will scorn and fear of bonaparte and the french only a short time before rostof in talking with a cossack officer of platoff's division had contended that if napoleon had been taken prisoner he would have been treated not as a sovereign but as a criminal even more recently falling in with a french colonel who had been wounded rostof had become heated in trying to prove that there could be no peace between a lawful sovereign and a criminal like bonaparte it struck rostof strangely therefore to see in boris's rooms french officers in the very same uniforms which he had been in the habit of viewing in an utterly different light across from the skirmishers lines the moment he saw a french officer looking out of the door that feeling of war of hostility which he always experienced at the sight of the foe suddenly took possession of him he paused at the threshold and asked in russian if dubretskoy lived there boris heard the unwanted voice in the entry and came out to meet him at the first moment on recognizing rostof a shade of annoyance crossed his face ah is it you very glad very glad to see you said he nevertheless and coming towards him with a smile but rostof had noticed his first impression it seems i have come at the wrong time said he i should not have come but i had business said he coldly no i was only surprised that you had got away from your regiment dans un moment jesus et vous he shouted in reply to someone calling him from within i see that my visit is untimely repeated rostof the expression of annoyance had entirely disappeared by this time from boris's face apparently having considered and made up his mind what course to pursue he seized his visitor by both hands with remarkable ease of manner and drew him into the adjoining room boris's eyes fixed calmly and confidently on rostof were as it were shielded by something as though there were a screen the blue spectacles of high society placed in front of them so it seemed to rostof ach please say no more about being come inopportunely said boris he drew him into the room where the table was set for dinner introduced him to the guests calling him by name and explaining that he was not a civilian but an officer in the hussars and an old friend of his count zelinsky le comte n n le capitaine s s said he naming the guests rostov scowled at the frenchman bowed stiffly and said nothing zelinsky was evidently displeased at the intrusion of this new russian individual into his circle and had nothing to say to rostov boris affecting not to notice the awkwardness produced by the introduction of the newcomer and still displaying the same easy grace and impenetrable look in his eyes with which he had received rostov tried to enliven the conversation one of the frenchmen turned with characteristic gallic politeness to the stubbornly silent rostov and remarked that he supposed he had come to tislet to see the emperor no i came on business replied rostov laconically rostov's ill-humour had come on immediately at noticing the annoyance expressed in boris's face and as usual happens with people who are out of sorts he imagined that all were looking at him with unfriendly eyes and that he was in their way and in truth he was in their way for he took no part in the conversation that was just beginning and why is he sitting there the glances that were fixed on him seemed to say he got up and went to boris i know i am a constraint to you he said in a whisper come let me tell you about my business and i will be going no not in the least replied boris but if you are tired let us go into my room and you can lie down and rest well really they went into boris's little sleeping-room rostof without sitting down began in a pettish tone as though boris were in some way to blame for the matter 
to tell him about denisof's affair and ask him if he could and would send in the petition for denisof through the general on whose staff he was serving and see to it that denisof's letter reached the emperor when the two were alone together rostof for the first time found it awkward to look into boris's eyes boris sitting with his legs crossed and pressing the slender fingers of his right hand into his left listened to rostof in the same way as a general listens to a report from his subordinate sometimes he glanced around and then again looked into rostof's face with that peculiar veil of impenetrability over his eyes rostof felt awkward every time he did so and he looked down i have heard of things like that and i know that the sovereign is very strict in such cases i think it would be best not to bring it to his majesty's attention in my opinion it would be better to give the petition directly to the commander of the corps and as a general thing i think then you don't care to do anything why not say it right out rostof almost shouted not looking at boris's eyes boris smiled on the contrary i will do all that is in my power but i thought at this moment zelinsky's voice was heard calling boris back well go 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 said rostof excusing himself from the supper and remaining alone in the little chamber he paced for a long time up and down and listened to the lively french conversation in the adjoining room End of chapter 19